the joy, the excitement. Are you guys glad to be here today? Welcome, welcome to the river. Welcome to the river. I don't know if you saw the river out there just flowing, flowing. And we were worried about a drought not that long ago. Do you remember that? And now people are saying, now people are saying that, uh, you know, it's too much rain and we can't. So which is it? Right? Which is it? I'm glad that God has it and we don't have to worry about it. Aren't you? Okay, let's just do us right here. So we are finishing up a series today called Crossover. Okay, it's not the, the basketball crossover. Okay, this is about you and I crossing over into that next level where God wants to take us. And my question today for you is, are you ready? Are you ready to cross over? Are you ready to go to that place? And so we've been doing a study on the book of Joshua, uh, bits and pieces of Joshua, because Joshua was one of these people that he crossed over from where he was, and he took a million Israelites with him, more than a million Israelites with him, into the promised land. And there's some gems, some secrets that you and I can learn from Joshua and looking at it. But one of the things I want to reassure you of today is that God has great plans for you. And if you're a guest here today, I want to welcome you. God has plans for you. Now, with the same way we look at Joshua, God has plans, but he needs our cooperation. There are certain things that he's going to do without us, but when it involves us, he needs our cooperation. And so we've been doing these last, today's week three. The first week we talked about, you know, when, when our theology doesn't match up with our reality. You know what I'm talking about? When you're going through a hard time, and we talked about this in week one, and your faith just can't get started because you're going through such a hard time, you're just going, God, I believe you have plans, but where are you and all of these things that are going on? I'm seeing defeat. I'm seeing discouragement. I'm seeing debt. I'm seeing problems, struggles, challenges. Where are you? And it's important that we always let our faith lead our reality. Our theology has to lead our reality. And so we talked about that. When you bump up against something, you need to just lift your hands and say, God, increase my faith. Where I am right now is not where I need to be so I can get to the other side. So today, uh, we talked about last week, Mike talked about these stones of remembrance. How many of you have your stones of remembrance written down? And basically, those are things that you remember how God worked in your life to increase your faith today. I have them handy. They're right in my notebook right over here. See, because if I get in a crisis, I want to pull them out and say, God, this is what you did. Do it again. I believe in you. So today, we're going to be talking about what did Joshua need to cross over? And what he needed, guess what? You and I need. He also needed. And we're going to get it from the very beginning. Do you know that God called Joshua via Moses? When Moses was still around, God called Joshua. And he let him know, Joshua, you're the man. And look at what he said here. In Deuteronomy, while Moses was still around, Deuteronomy 31, verse 23. Look at what it says here. It says, the Lord gave his command to Joshua Son of none, be strong. Okay, so I want you to turn to your neighbor and tell your neighbor what God told Joshua. Be strong. In fact, turn to three people and tell them, 
what God told Joshua. Be strong. Now, nobody's telling me up here. I need you guys to tell me. What? Be strong. Be strong. So God told Joshua what he needed because God said, for you will bring the Israelites into the land I promised them on an oath, and I myself will be with you. Notice the balance here. I'm going to be with you. I'm going to use you. Wherever you set your foot, I will be with you, Joshua. But one thing I ask of you is what? Be strong. Be strong. He says it again. He comes back to him in Joshua 1, verse 5 and 6. No one will be able to stand against you all the days of your life. I got you, Joshua. As I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will never leave you or forsake you. But one thing I ask of you is what? Repeat it with me. Be strong. Be strong and courageous because you will lead these people into the, to inherit the land I swore to their ancestors to give them. He says it again in verse 7. He says it again in verse 9. So there's a common thread here. God is telling Joshua, I'm going to be with you, but you need to be strong. I have plans for you this year, but I need you to be strong. What does strength mean? And let's talk about it. I just want to ask you this morning, are you strong? What comes to mind when you think of strong? You think, well, physical strength. I come get, you know, get down here and I'm going to bust out 30 push-ups. But is that really strength? Can you do 30 plus 30 plus 30? Can you do it all the way through? Do you have endurance? You may be strong in one rep or in one shot, but are you going to endure? And really, when, when, when God told this to Joshua, do you know how old he was? He was 90 years old. Imagine getting started at 90. Imagine being the commander of God's army at 90 years old. Let me tell you, if you're going to lead a, an army at 90 years old, you better be healthy. Have you ever seen 90-year-old people? Do they look strong? But amazing thing, Joshua was strong. And you could tell by the way he led his, led his life for the next 20 years. Are we strong? I'm going to break down some facts for you guys this morning that are going to open your mind to, to see how we are as Americans. For the very first time in 2015, the, the life expectancy of the average American went down. We're living less. For the average male, it's 76.3. This hasn't happened since 1993. We're going in the wrong direction. For women, now, this right here is unfair. Okay, I just got to say it. God, are you with me, guys? Is this right? That ain't right. But it is what it is. Even women, they live longer, but they're not living longer. Their mortality rate has gone down also by a couple of months. So as Americans, we're going in the wrong direction. Look at this information. Death rate by disease in 2015. This is according to the CDC, the, the Center for Disease Control. The United States government, 2015, heart disease gone up. Chronic lower respiratory disease gone up. Stroke is going up. Kidney disease going up. Suicide going up. 
Death by drug overdose up by 11% in 2005 or 2015. 52,000 people are dying of drug overdose. Basically, the reality of it is we as Americans are not strong. 69% of Americans would be classified as overweight. See, these diseases here, most of them are controllable. I'm going to blow your mind. Years in the past, people would worry about malnutrition, and so we would send all this food to these places to stop malnutrition because people were dying because they didn't have enough to eat. Guess why people are dying now? For the first time, we're right at the middle. 1.1 billion, 1.1 billion people are dying because of malnutrition, and the exact same number of people are dying because of weight-related disease. And guess what the trend is? More people will die because of having too much and not having enough. People are dying because of weight issues, not because of infectious diseases. So our real pandemic is not infectious diseases, guys. Our real pandemic is our own strength, our own health, and we can do something about it. That's why God is saying to his people, be strong, be strong. Do you know that God has a prescription for a healthy life? Do you know that? In this book, there's a prescription for a healthy life. Do you know that? Look at what Jesus said in the greatest command. They asked him, Lord, of all the commands, which is the most important one? Which is the greatest? Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your mind, with all your soul, with all your mind, and guess what else? With all your, say it with me, strength. This is what it means to be in a relationship with God. It involves all of you. Can you fulfill this relationship if you're not strong? If you're weak? If you're not healthy? You can't. You can't love God. You will not fulfill that relationship. So just like he told Joshua, Jesus is saying to us, in order to come into this relationship, you must be what? Strong. In other words, healthy. Are we healthy? And what I said about America, guys, I got to be honest with you, it's in the church. And that's why we have to, this has been on my heart for months, probably a year, I've wanted to talk about what we're going to talk about today because I feel like we are letting the world dictate how we live. Some of the healthiest people should be Christians because of this. So I want to ask a couple of brothers to, to come over here, and I want to, I want to have a conversation with them. I want, to, uh, I want to introduce to you Brian Bartell and Dave Moss. Test, test. Okay, let me get you guys some stools because I don't want you to exert yourself too much especially. Okay, so I got some questions for you guys. Come, come have a seat, please. Start with you, Dave. Uh, you've had some changes that happened last year, right, with your, with your health. Uh, what was your perspective on diet and exercise prior to what happened last year? Uh, prior, prior to what happened last year, uh, I thought it was a good thing to exercise, to watch what you eat, but I, I really didn't take it seriously. I thought it was a good idea, but I didn't follow through. 
And then, then what happened last year that kind of gave you a wake-up call? Last year, I decided I'm going to, uh, I used to do a physical, and I said, uh, I'm going to do a physical, check thing, make sure I'm okay. Well, you got to do one anyway. But uh, each year before school started, so I went and had, had a physical, everything was fine. The doctor wanted me to do a blood test, have some blood work. So I did it the following week, and then the following week, the doctor called me and said that I was, uh, he said I was pre-diabetic, but I was actually diabetic. And then he, he, he called leaving message, you need to buy this, you need to get this, you need to get this. And uh, he had it all ready for me in the pharmacy, so, I had, so that week I went and picked up all of those items. Mm. Uh, so that was very, uh, that was a, that was a, a big change for to me. To come to the realization, yeah, yeah. you have diabetes. Right. What, what did that do to you? Well, um, it made me, I, I got educated as far as find out more about it because I've experienced students having diabetes. I knew some of my the staff members are around uh, had diabetes, but it, just, it was just a wake-up call like, wow, once I found out what it was all about, I said, this is something you can't play with. I just saw how it affected so many parts of your body, your eyes, your, uh, your, uh, your liver, your feet even the way you take care of your teeth. So it was like, a, it was very eye-opening to me. And so is diabetes preventable? Is it something you can do something about? And yeah, you what, can do something about What was about. it that you did and you've done these last few months? Okay, this is what I've done. I um, decided I'm gonna go to Weight Watchers. I've done that before, it's been successful. I've, I've been, so I've been going to Weight Watchers every week uh, since July 19th. I missed one week, that's when I was in Florida. I should have made it happen. I didn't make it happen. So I've gone every week. I've been drinking water. I've been, um, I've been exercising, trying to get to six, seven days of exercising where I walk uh, each day. Uh, I've been reading a lot, of a lot of the materials from the Weight Watchers class and just reading up. And have you lost weight? I've lost weight. How much? 57 pounds. You lost what? 57. 57. And how, how do you feel now? I feel great. I feel excited, energized, you know, full of life, you know. There it is. Thank you, Dave, and congratulations. And you're on your way. You're on your way to being strong. Being strong. Okay, so uh, you, you can stay. Uh, Brian, yours is notch up. Okay, what was your perspective on diet and exercise pre health crisis? I basically, just, I basically just paid attention to the things that were immediately around me. So exercise, eh, stuff other people do. My, my, my daughter's a bodybuilder. She does enough exercising for both of us. <laughs> diet, I was on a seafood diet. Seafood, eat it. Didn't, I, and the scary part is I've been diabetic since 1993. So I knew better. Still wasn't enough, right? Nope. God was trying to get my attention. And, and trust me, my wife has been trying for years to get my attention. Sally has been an absolute trooper. She's a, she's a prayer warrior anyway. But I, she was trying to get my attention, and I didn't listen. And I really didn't listen to my doctor too much, although I probably know more now about how my body works than my doctor does. 
So looking at spirituality and your body, how has it changed in these last couple of months? Oh my gosh. So on July 28th, I went in to have a stent put into my heart because my cardiologist thought that the, one of the coronary arteries was partially plugged and the oxygen level in my uh, heart was a little bit low. I ended up staying in the hospital for 12 days. I was in surgical ICU for four of those. And I spent two of the scariest nights I've, I have spent in my 58 years of living. Because my doctor looked straight at me and said, you cannot leave the hospital because we cannot guarantee that you would walk back in. The coronary arteries were from left to right, 93, 90, and 91% blocked. I was a heart attack waiting to happen and I had no outward symptoms. It's a condition called a widow maker. You don't get told before it happens, but God did. He obviously is not done with me yet. Obviously. So when they did the surgery, they basically opened you up. 23 all. centimeters, that's almost 10 inches. And they basically opened you up like a refrigerator to get yep. to your heart. How, pain, doctor how, pain, my, how painful was that? My doctor held my heart in his hand for an hour while he did part of the surgery. They give you drugs to make you forget the pain because the pain is so intense that you could not handle it coming out of, coming out of anesthesia. You would literally pass out from it. And so now the after, the good news, how much weight have you lost in these last few months? 51 pounds. Now, I would, I would like to give a small shout-out to my wife because she took over my diet. One of the smartest things I ever did because I don't make good decisions. That's evident because I ended up in the hospital having a quintuple bypass. I had all five coronary arteries bypassed. This was not fun. And I'll guarantee you that if I had to do it again, I would have started listening a lot earlier. What would you say to somebody in your situation without knowing it, if you had a chance to have a conversation with somebody uh, that had this condition in this room and they're kind of on the fence, well, I'll get to it. What would you tell them? Nicely. I'm not so sure I'd be real nice. I'd, I, I would be direct with them. Because yeah. the, the point of it is, I came within somewhere between three days and three weeks of being dead. And that is the very real reality of it. When four separate doctors look at you and say, you know, you missed a heart attack by about three days. That would have been fatal. You need to think about that. Yep. Well, I want to thank you guys uh, for coming up here and being vulnerable. You're awesome. You're my heroes. And you can take those with you. Put them right there on the stand. Th this is happening a lot more in our church. I want you to know it because, see, I get a front row seat to this. I go to the hospitals. I go to the houses. Brian called me the day that he got his diagnosis and said, you're my minister. I need you to pray for me. And my feeling is this, I'll pray for you, but what are you doing 
What have you done to get yourself in the situation that you're in? What are you doing? And I want to be full of compassion. I believe God is a great healer. God can do anything. But when we say, God, help me, God's saying, hey, what are you doing to help you and then help me so we can work together? These things are completely preventable. And that's what's happening is the preventable is taking over. So I want to do some really brief teaching from the Bible about your body, about your body. Let's look at this passage because Paul goes into great depth. 1 Corinthians. Now I want you to see if you can see an American mindset in this. I have the right to do anything. Doesn't that sound American to you? U.S. of A. You say, but not everything is beneficial. I have the right to do anything, but I will not be mastered by anything. You say food for the stomach and stomach for the food, and God will destroy them both. In other words, your life's going to end. In fact, you think your body is yours. It's not. You know how it's not? Did you create your body? You didn't create it. Who created your body? God did. So you're his property. Now, if you're a guest here, you may not embrace that. But what I'm trying to tell you is sooner or later, you're going to come to that realization. Us, we are, we're people of faith and we believe that. We know that. We know that God created me. And so I, this body that I have, just like our money, it's on loan. It's on loan. We don't, we don't have it. We don't keep it. We just get to use it for a little while. So what you have, what are you going to do with it? He goes on. He says, the body. Go ahead and say it with me. The body. The body, however, is not meant for sexual immorality, but for the Lord, and the Lord for the body. By his power, God raised the Lord from the dead, and he will raise us also. Two things here that, that he brings up is that your body is meant for God. And if it's meant for God, would you take your body and just trash it, abuse it? No, and that's where immorality, you think, well, I can do whatever I want. No, you can't, because you're ruining your life and the life of other people. That's not God's plan. And we often think, there's no harm in it. I can do what I want. Yeah, but you're going to have to answer for it. And for us of faith, you know, he's going to raise us. And the interesting about, thing about the Scripture is not super clear what kind of body we're going to have after we die. A lot of people think, well, we're going to be like clouds and with a harp and sitting on a cloud like an angel. That's not, that's not the scripture. When Jesus rose from the dead, he had a physical body, didn't he? Now, what kind of body are you going to have after? And people are going to be able to recognize you. That's the interesting thing is they're going to recognize you. How do you want to be recognized? What kind of body do you want to take over to the other side? Now, there's a lot of, you know, question about that, a mystery about that, but what I can tell you is the body that you have will be a reflection of that body afterwards. And so, I want a healthy body afterwards, and God assures me it will be healthy, but you know what I'm saying? Flee from sexual immorality, all of the sins a person commits outside of the body, but whoever sins sexually sins against their own body. What you do with your body affects your relationship with God. Do you, not, do you not know that your bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit? That, this is the passage where it talks about your body is a temple where God lives. 
God resides. If we had somebody show up at church early and start breaking windows, painting graffiti, and you walked up on it, what would you do? What would you do? I I could ask Robert, Robert Farias, what would you do if you saw that going on? Yeah, Robert would throw down on the guy. Okay? You can't do that to the Lord's house, the temple where we meet and worship him. But why would you do that with your own body? Why would you allow your body, why would you put things in your body that are going to destroy you, that are going to be like graffiti and, and broken windows and pollute your body? Your body is something special where God lives and who is in you, whom you've received from God. You are not your own. You were purchased. If you're a follower of Jesus, you were bought. You don't own you. Jesus bought you. And he bought you because he loves you. And he says, you're mine now, and I got you. But what will you do with Jesus' property? Therefore, honor God with your what? Your bodies. Guys, we, we got to take this seriously because we are allowing ourselves to get unhealthy. What do we get from this passage? It's right here. God expects us to manage Manage, expects me to manage my body. My body is, a, is God's property. My body will be resurrected after I die. My body is connected to the body of Christ. Him and I are together. What I do with my body, I do with Jesus. Jesus bought my body with his own life and blood. I want to invite one more brother to come up and share because this is what he does. He helps people. Jeremiah Farias, so could you welcome him? Have a seat right there. So, Jeremiah, what you do is uh, you, you take people who are unhealthy and you try to cross them over to being healthy. Tell me what are some things that you do to help people get healthy. So some of the things that I start with is get them exercising, get them more active. And the purpose of that is to increase their muscular strength and increase their cardiovascular health. In addition to that, I look at other lifestyle factors that are affecting them. So things like nutrition are key, and two other things are sleep and stress. Mm. Did you get that? Three things. Your physical strength, your cardiovascular strength, and then your diet and your, your basically your schedule. Are you getting enough rest? And, uh, you know, you, you've had some success with people, and I know you work really hard, and people trust you and believe in, in what you're doing. And I just want to say that I appreciate that you're somebody that people can go to uh, when they need help. And what do you think helps people, like, stay successful after you get them going? What, what, what helps them continue staying healthy? I think the biggest thing is finding something that works for each individual, not one thing is going to work for every single person. So for me, it's meeting the person where they're at, coming up with a plan that's going to be sustainable for them. And in addition to that, accountability, I think, is really key. And so just not trying to do it alone. I know in my own mindset, my own, um, just the way I am naturally, 
I like to do things on my own and I don't want to tell people I'm doing it because I don't want them to see or hear that I failed. And so that can be a downfall though when it comes to trying to get healthier is if you don't invite other people in your life, no one knows to push you, no one knows to help you and check in on you. So I think in the same way when you're trying to develop yourself spiritually, you're trying to get deeper in your relationship with God, you're struggling spiritually, you need people to help you, whether it's purity, et cetera. And so in the same way, health, I think accountability, having someone that's going to keep checking in on you and help you with that. Awesome. Thank you so much. Okay. Appreciate it. Give you guys, give Jeremiah a hand. Thank you. You know, everything that I've learned about health, for me, I went through a very scary time uh, back in 1994. I was sick a lot. Lived in Mexico City. I was sick about every other month. I was on an inhaler. I was taking uh, tons of antibiotics. I had what the doctor diagnosed as chronic bronchitis. I got sick every other month, and I'd be in bed for a week, leading a large church in Mexico City. And I was this close having to move. The doctors gave me all kinds of medication. It wasn't working. Then I sat down with a trainer, and he said, tell me about your lifestyle. Doctors didn't ask me about my lifestyle. They asked me about my symptoms. They didn't ask me about my lifestyle. Now doctors are, but then they didn't. They gave me medication. My trainer, who I worked out with, he said, tell me your lifestyle. And I said, well, I sleep about four or five hours a night, sometimes less, because I got a pretty demanding job. I eat, like Brian, whatever, tacos, tortillas, tortas, tamales. Hey, I eat it, right? And I was eating bad, and it, you know, Mexico City is one of the most polluted cities in the world. I could not live with that lifestyle in that city. And I made some drastic changes. And I was able to stay there for eight years because I got healthy. What I'm talking about today could change your life. And, and, and this is really, really important. And sometimes we look at Jesus and we say, well, Jesus, no, Jesus was incredibly strong and healthy. These are some of the last hours, and we're going to take the communion. But before we take the communion, I want to remind you of, you know, they say Boston strong or this strong. Today we're going to talk about Jesus strong. Jesus went through the most grueling ordeal those last few days that he was alive. We look at this in verse 36. When Jesus went with his disciples to a place called Gethsemane, and he said to them, sit here while I go over and pray, he took Peter and the two sons of Zebedee along with them, and he began to be sorrowful and troubled. Then he said to them, my soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. Stay here and keep watch with me. Thank you, David. That's a reminder. I'm reminded. (laughs) The disciples, what did they do when Jesus said this prayer? He was hurting. He was in anguish. He was in a lot of, he was feeling the challenge. And he stayed awake that whole night, warring in prayer, God, increase my faith. I don't know if I can do this. 
because he knew exactly how it was going to go down. His disciples, what were they doing? Sleeping. Came back to them three times. Are you still sleeping? Are you still sleeping? Are you still sleeping? Jesus was incredibly strong, guys, physically to endure what he did. He was healthy. And we need to follow Jesus in this area as well. Right now, we're going to remember Jesus' body, his body that he gave up for you and for me. And why did Jesus give up his body? So that you and I could be careless, disconnected from our own health. And I just want to say this. Jesus is not into, and nor am I into, this isn't about shame or making people feel bad or embarrassing anyone. This is about taking you where you are and moving you to a good place. Jesus wants to do that with you. Let's pray for the communion. Heavenly Father, we thank you for Jesus. We ask you right now, in the name of Jesus, to forgive us and help us. We don't want to be Americans. We want to be followers of Jesus first. God, please help us to take care of our bodies for you and honor you with our bodies. We're so grateful that your word teaches us the prescription for health. Please help us, God. Bless this communion that we can remember Jesus' body and his blood that were poured out for us to motivate us to be our best. Forgive us, help us. Bless this communion. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.